You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Thank you for being patient. Nothing like a couple days before the start of free agency to get the bullets flying fast and furious when it comes to news around free agency. It's been a crazy 48 hours in the NFL. We'll talk a little bit about that at some point tonight. Some of the big quarterbacks uh, that uh, one person that's staying uh, where he's been and Aaron Rodgers and obviously Russell Wilson on the move. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. Welcome in. We're back after a week uh, since our last show. We have a ton to get into. We've been preparing for the big free agency primer show, and that is coming to you tonight. And whether you're celebrating uh, any of the signings the Bills have next week uh, at home or away, uh, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football entertaining or any occasion. So make sure you get over to Tops, get yourself stocked up. Uh, some big news, uh, back-to-back days here, Ryan Talbot. Yesterday, the Bills released A.J. Klein. Today, uh, reports uh, a report, uh, our report, is that a source is telling us that John Feliciano uh, is going to get uh, released as well. So, you know, Brandon Bean was on WGR this week, and he said that the Bills have about uh, $6.5 million under the salary cap uh, right now. Uh, over the salary cap, if you will. So they had to shave some things with these two moves that puts them uh, into the black and I, I, about $2 million, uh, obviously still work to go. But now we know that two prime candidates, Feliciano and Klein, are no longer on the roster. Your initial thoughts on both of those moves? Yeah, I don't think any major surprise, Matt. We've talked about both players being uh, uh, on the chopping block, so to speak. When it came to A.J. Klein, I thought that uh, it was kind of an easy decision once they re-signed Tyrell Dodson. I, I think they, they wanted to go younger. I think they had a lot of confidence in what Dodson could do in terms of that uh, third linebacker role, someone that can help on special teams. And, and make no mistake about it, A.J. Klein was a very valuable contributor during his time here, when he was on the field, he played very well, whether it was due to injury, whether it was the snaps where they were in that three linebacker set. Um, so he, he was a very valuable contributor. And then you can say that obviously the same thing tonight for John Feliciano. Unfortunately for Feliciano, um, some injuries kind of caught up with him here this year. And then 
over the course of the season, the Bills kind of stumbled upon Ryan Bates late in the year, and he was a, a bit of a revelation. And Bates, a restricted free agent, I think you and I both agree, should be back in the fold here sooner rather than later. Uh, so it just became a numbers game, especially with the Bills being, as you said, $6 million over the, the cap uh, limit at that point in time a few days ago. So no shock on my end. Now it's just a matter of like who's next. But what are your thoughts on the two moves? Yeah, the climb move, like to your point, it just made a ton of sense. That was like the biggest kind of bulk uh, amount of money that they can kind of get outside of maybe like a Cole Beasley move. And we're kind of waiting to see uh, what happens there as he was obviously being given permission to seek a trade. Uh, so we'll see if that happens before the deadline or if the Bills you know, aren't able to do that. If they do consider maybe uh, cutting him and, and adding that $6.1 million. Uh, we'll see how it depends on the players and we're going to get into tons of players tonight, but in terms of Feliciano, yeah, I mean, it was trending in this direction. I mean, even, you know, with the depth that the bills have built on that offensive line, guys like, you know, Ryan Bates, Ike Butker, and a forgotten guy that we've talked a lot about since, you know, Aaron Cromer was named the new, uh, offensive line coach Cody Ford I mean this is still a draft pick that whatever ends up happening I still think that there's a level of hope there and even if it's just for him to be um, a depth piece in his in the final year of his rookie deal next year see what happens with Aaron Cromer now in the mix you know he's on the roster you have a lot of depth you have your starting center in Mitch Morris who is under contract right now and maybe he gets restructured maybe you know they 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 maybe they redo that deal who knows what the, the kind of options that Brandon Bean has uh, for him but I don't think John Feliciano as I uh, reported and clarified the report you know, he wasn't interested in taking a pay cut. So even if that was an option, you know, it probably was just better to move on for both sides. Uh, he's going to go. And I've actually been told uh, by a source as well that he wants to play center uh, in his next spot. Like specifically, he still got that position flexibility, but wants to kind of enter the market and see maybe if he can um, be a full time center. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I remember talking to Bobby Johnson about this for a story on him a couple of years ago, and he would go on and on about how important Feliciano's ability as a communicator out there. It really helps him when he does have to play center. And even at the guard spot, being that like kind of uh wingman, if you will, for Mitch Morse or whoever was playing center at the time, uh, it's a real feather in his cap. So maybe a team, you know, gets him into the mix, can kind of get him in a more affordable deal that some of like, you see a guy like Ryan Jensen and, and some of these other like, you know, uh, market setting centers over the last couple of seasons, you could probably get John Feliciano at a much more affordable rate. He's going to come in. Maybe you have a young quarterback that you want to protect. Maybe that's the, the the route to go. I thought he played some really good football at center when they asked him to do that. Yeah, when, when Mitch Morris missed some time, uh, Feliciano played so well to the point where even when, and this was not 2021, 2020, uh, that when Morris was healthy enough to play, they actually set him out that extra game. I think they really wanted to see what they had in Feliciano. So he did step up. He he is someone that can play center. And, and Bill's Mafia, uh, this is why you have to smash the like button here and shout out the Buffalo Football Podcast. We have Matt Perino here. Uh, breaking stories right before we go live, sharing additional information here about Feliciano wanting to play center at his next stop. So hit that like button, tell your friends about the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast so they can stay up to date with the latest Bills news. Yeah, and and now it's about like before we get into the free agency stuff, and you know it's funny because like because of the lack of space. The reports that are out there, and we're going to get into those, you put up stories on them about, you know, some big fish 
big ticket items that may be interested in coming to Buffalo. And why wouldn't they be? I mean, this is a place where you have a chance to win a Super Bowl quarterback and Josh Allen, a lot of good things happening here. It makes a lot of sense, but in the next couple of days, there's still room that needs to be made if there's even a shot at that. And Brandon Beans has been kind of downplaying that in the media that he's done over the past week and trying to be like, well, we don't have a lot of money. There's not, I don't like restructuring. I don't like kicking the can down the road. So trying to kind of, you know, maybe keep people's expectations at bay. But I think that there's enough moves that he can make. I mean, we can start to look at Daryl Williams, whether it makes sense to move on, whether it makes sense to restructure that deal. Uh, you can get a couple of uh, million uh, on some of the restructures out there. Uh, our buddy over at the athletic, Joe Biscalia, he even suggested a restructure for uh, Star Latulale, probably rip up the final year of that deal, rewrite it a little bit, add some void years, which I think would make uh, do the trick. And then um, Josh Allen even restructuring that deal already to bring that cap down, give him his money up front and move some of that down the road. And, you know, that's going to be hitting anyway in, in 23, 24, 25. There's a lot of different options. I know that it doesn't seem like the Stefan Diggs um, extension has a lot of uh, gas quite yet. Brandon Bean kind of fanned the flames on that the other day, saying that there haven't been any conversations yet between the two sides. But that could come up at any time. And it's not, obviously some be a situation where. Diggs probably when it, when he when he's able to come to the table when his reps are able to come to the table he's going to want a new deal so I don't think that that's going to be something that's going to be super hard to figure out it's just going to have to be does it work and do they want to do it right now yeah a hundred percent I mean and here's the other thing the Bills won uh, they're they're paying him a decent amount of money right now I think it's about seventeen million but the, two they can look around the league and they can kind of wait and see. Uh, the exact financials for a Tyreek Hill extension when he, when that comes to uh, comes to pass and you see those official numbers and they can kind of work with that and, and figure it out from there. But Brandon Bean, he, he definitely uh, threw the cold water on the extension talks when he said they haven't really started it yet. Now, that doesn't mean something couldn't happen very quickly. Like I said, if there's other numbers that you can model it after. Uh, someone that you can get them in the same ballpark, you could probably get put together sooner rather than later. Uh, but at the same time, the, the Bills have other moves up their sleeve, like you said, that they can pull off, depending on how, you know how much money they want to free up and who they're targeting here in free agency. So speaking of targeting and free agency, uh, the targets are coming to Brandon Bean, it seems, uh, judging by some of the reports that are out. You put up a story on it uh, today or yesterday. Why don't you, uh, people are talking about it in the chat, so people know. But for those that are listening that maybe haven't heard about it yet, uh, there was a report from Albert Breer that some high-profile defensive players want to play in Buffalo. Yeah, Albert Breer keeps uh, peeling back the onion a little bit, so to speak. So in, on Monday uh, or Tuesday, he reported something along the lines of a, a big-name uh, player went to the Bills during the combine and his rep saying that he wanted to play for the Bills. And then today on a radio spot in Boston, Albert Breer said it's actually two defensive players that went to the Bills saying, hey, we, we, you know, we'd really like to play for for the Bills and he, he essentially said on this radio spot, you know, if you heard these names, you say, oh, those are some pretty good players. Uh, so like you said, this is a team that uh, is a Super Bowl favorite. This is a team where you have free agents that would like to join this team in, I, in an ideal world. Now, mind you, some of these players who it could be, uh, they may not want to sign for next to nothing. They might take a slight discount. But you, you can't count on all these players that are out there looking for big money to take a massive loss, even if it was a one-year contract to join with the Bills. And I think in uh, at least one of those scenarios, that might be the way it should be looked at. 
Mm -hmm. You know, when this first came out, um, I started kind of, you know, uh, racking my brain for some of the names that made the most sense. And to me, like Chandler Jones, we, we, we've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast. Now that seems to be uh, a pretty good guess. I feel like if you're talking about a guy that, you know, the fit is, is there, the need is there. You know, we were talking to uh, Mike Giannitti a couple weeks ago and like, there might be some, some, some hoops uh, that the bills can jump through to kind of fit that contract in. Now it it's going to probably come with some big numbers in future years. And that's a question that you have to ask yourself for a 30 plus pass rusher who has had some injury issues over the last couple of seasons. Is that something that you want to uh, sign up for? But you know, the more and more I think about Chandler Jones just turned 32. So if you think about it, that's like two years ago, Jerry Hughes, right? And I think Chandler Jones I think is pretty objectively a better player than Jerry, than Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes, Hughes has been great, but J- when Chandler Jones is, is locked in, dialed in, he's one of the elite pass rushers in the game and the, and the stat production there. I mean, it, it backs it up, the pressure rate, all that stuff. You're getting him at a spot in his career where, yeah, you, you might be able to get him more affordable because of the injury history. If you get him in the building here and work with this training staff in Buffalo, I feel like this is a situation where it just screams value. It screams filling a need and potentially unlocking parts of, you know, other players games Ed Oliver, uh, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, other AJ Epinesa, other guys that could maybe benefit from playing on the same defensive line as Chandler. And, and somebody brings up 14 and a half per year, according to spot track. I think he's probably going to come in at a little bit under that just because there's a couple other pass rushers on the market, depending on who you talk to, you know, uh, Randy Gregory could have a little bit more of a market just because of the upside, the youth and the big time production he had last year. Chandler Jones had one big game last year and he was really good when he was on the field, but I feel like there's some Von Millers out there coming off of a two sack performance in the Super Bowl. So I think you might be able to get that number down. And if you get that number down and then you get it even further down in the first year, it starts to look better and better to me anyway. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think maybe 11, $12 million might be re- more realistic for Chandler Jones. You mentioned Ra- Randy Gregory. There's Emmanuel Agba. Uh, there's Von Miller. There's, there's other guys that can get after the quarterback. Um, you know, there's uh, Uchenna in Wusu out of the, for the Chargers. So there's a report there and his cap figures around that same price, that $12 million range. So there's, there's other guys that are out there, some that are younger, some that uh, maybe are still playing more consistently because, like you said, Chandler Jones did have one huge game this year where a high percentage of his sack total came from. But Jones one would be a great story. He, you know, from this area, uh, getting up there in age, would probably like to uh, join this team to get another shot at a Super Bowl, bring one to a, a franchise that was close to his home growing up. So. He, I think he's certainly someone that's on Buffalo's radar. You want to have some kind of veteran presence in the room uh, with all those young players, someone that can help bring them along. And then, you know, you look at another position of need. Uh, obviously, I think cornerback, as we look at the free agent class, we're going to get into a couple of maybe more realistic options that I think the Bills kind of have. But, I mean, when you talk about the cornerback position, there's really one guy that pops. Two guys, actually, for me. And here's what's funny. Like, there's two high-profile free agents, former Patriots. Well, one current Patriots, JC Jackson and Stefan Gilmore. 
it would be super interesting from my end. Like, of course, if it was ended up being JC Jackson, like a top, like that's a, a top tier, like top five free agent. That's a big time move that ends up being the case. But Stefan Gilmore is interesting too. Like, obviously there were the comments about Buffalo when he left about what it was like playing a, a, in prime time, but he kind of fits the bill. I don't know if the money would work out, but could you imagine him on the other side, even if he's not the same player he was three years ago playing alongside on the other side of Tredavious White? Well, he'd get the primetime games that he was wishing for when he was with <laughs> Buffalo the first time. Now, now that the Bills are actually getting them. Yeah, Gilmore would be a really interesting, funny story because uh, he was drafted by the team, obviously. Carlton Davis is another guy that's getting a lot of hype at the cornerback position. He definitely had his moments younger. And and, and then you have J.C. Jackson. Listen, I think J.C. Jackson would be a great fit for this team. I think he would love to stick it to Bill Belichick and the Patriots for not uh, offering him that long-term deal at, at the amount of money that he thinks he's worth. Uh, and, you know, even if he was someone that was interested in joining the Bills, where are the Bills going to get that money? That's the problem right now. You, you have a lot of money tied up in Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, and you have Tredavious White. You paid Matt Milano, uh, Deion Dawkins. The list goes on and on. It, it would be unbelievable to think about that pairing of Jackson and, and Tredavious White. Uh, but you know, the, the money tree can't produce that quickly here in Buffalo. I don't think so. Uh, a nice idea, so to speak, but like you said, there's only going to be certain players that are more realistic than others. And I just don't see Jackson being realistic, even if he had interest in joining the bills. So I have kind of like a, a, like a tiers of cornerbacks, like two, maybe three tiers of cornerbacks when it comes to the free agent uh, pool out there. This first tier is our guys that I think were, are going to cost you a little something. You know what I mean? It's going to cost you probably more than you probably think the bills can, can pay. And I'm looking at guys like Dante Jackson in Carolina, a speedy guy uh, who's probably going to command around $10 million per year. Uh, Mike Hughes is interesting. He played, he played some slot in Minnesota. I felt like he played a little bit more outside last year. He's actually like a, under the radar, pretty good tackler last year that I think might stand out and might be a little bit more affordable than a Jackson. But the guy for me in this group that I think really stands, I think you put Rasul uh, Douglas in this group as well. We talked about him a couple shows ago, and I know you were you were kind of uh, interested in the idea. He's probably commanding six or seven million. And my thoughts on that is I think he's kind of a minor upgrade on Levi Wallace potentially, maybe more, but is six to seven million a season the kind of money that you're willing to pay to find out? I don't know that it kind of makes me a little bit lukewarm on him. A guy that I think you can, might be able to come to a pretty decent deal with, maybe a three-year, two-year deal, keep that first year a little – at least like something you'd be able to stomach is Steven Nelson. He's a guy that we talked a ton about last year. Remember when the Steelers uh, caught him going in the season? There was a lot of that drama around like him tweeting about you know maybe the Bills or liking a tweet about going to the Bills. And I think that he went and had a season in Philadelphia – that was the kind of season that backed up what you, you probably thought he could be in a good defense. Solid tackler, really good in coverage, has a little bit of speed. I kind of like adding a guy like that to the mix just because of what you want to try to accomplish from a coverage standpoint with some of these top offenses that you're going up against in, in, in the AFC. Yeah, Steven Nelson would make a lot of sense for this team. And and I, I think the Bills even were kind of looking into him at one, at one point in time. Uh, just in a workout, he eventually signed with the Eagles. And like you said, he was pretty solid there. 
Uh, the Bills have to be smart. We, we, we're going to keep repeating this with their cap space because it's going to be limited. So they have to make sure that they feel good about whoever they bring in. But Nelson would be a, a good choice if the price was right. You mentioned Dante Jackson. I, I like him a lot, too. I've had an article in the back burner about uh, 2018 pre-draft visitors that actually came to Buffalo. They were one of the top 30, and he was one of them. And And the talent's there. He's been injured a bit, though, in his career. So someone to keep an eye on there as well. It's going to be really interesting because I think cornerback is a spot that they really do have to address. Um, They have to have some kind of plan in place because as much as I think they're hopeful that Trey White will be ready to go uh, in the fall, you just don't know that for sure. You have Levi Wallace uh, on the free agent market, and that leaves you with Dane Jackson. It, It leaves you wondering if you have someone on this roster uh, that can really step up and play a huge role early in the year if needed. And I'm not sure they have that. Now, mind you, uh, if they don't want to shell out a lot of money in the draft, there's also the, or I'm sorry, in free agency, there's also the draft as an option. And this is a pretty solid and pretty deep cornerback class. Stick around if you want to talk about that cornerback class, because I had a lot of observations, uh, got got a chance to really talk to, a, a good chunk of the cornerbacks that were in Indianapolis. And I have some thoughts and maybe one in particular that I think like, I don't want to use the word draft crush, but I think that he checks all the boxes for what I think the bills are looking for. Um, stick around. Uh, we'll get into that later in the show. I want to, I want to stick with free agency here um, as we uh, move along. We're going to have, a lot of reaction pods, I feel like, over the next couple of mm. days. I mean, big moves, any of the big moves breaks. I want to go live if we can, if, if everything works out. We'll obviously have uh, probably a Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night pod, depending on what kind of moves are made next week. So make sure you keep it locked uh, onto the uh, Shout Pod on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Hit that like button uh, for this video on YouTube. Also, subscribe as well. I mentioned the tiers of the cornerbacks. I feel like... Let's go with two tiers. The first that's that kind of the first tier is that big time fish. Like we mentioned the JC Jackson, the Stefan Gilmore, probably out of the Bills reach, right? And then that's a, that second tier that's still going to be pretty pricey, but maybe you could kind of work something out. We were talking about them a little bit. Then there's that third tier. And I think that there's a tweener. That's Patrick Peterson for me. I think that he could still potentially get some kind of money because of you know the name recognition. I, I think that his game is has dropped off a little bit and probably should be in this bottom tier that like two and a half to $5 million range, depending on the player, but a couple other names. Uh, uh, if you go read Joe Biscaglia at the athletic, he did a deep dive his mock off season. It's always great numbers, figures, graphs, charts, the whole shebang. I think he spends like two months on it or something. It's, it's so detailed. It's great. One of the guys that he had in there is Joe Hayden, uh, cornerback. He's in this group for me. I have Sidney Jones, uh, not a super fast guy, but really good tackler. He had a big season uh, this past year. Kyle Fuller's in the mix. They're talking about him maybe only getting two, three million. And then maybe my favorite, and maybe this is, uh, you know, a misstep, but he reminds me a lot of, you know, maybe a Kevin Johnson, uh, EJ Gaines, a guy that, you know, maybe his best years are behind him, but still is good enough based on what he brings from a skill set standpoint. I think Xavier Rhodes is a guy that I've been interested in the bills, maybe adding for a couple of years. Is there anybody from that crop that you'd add or anybody that you like from there, Ryan? Yeah, there's a lot of interesting names and I'm glad you mentioned the Patrick Peterson, the Joe Hayden guys that have a lot of name value still, uh, but probably shouldn't be getting paid what, what they could in the market. I I wouldn't mind 
Uh, Peterson, if the price was right. I like your road suggestion, actually, believe it or not. I thought he had some moments with the Colts. Um, uh, you know, I know he, he started his career, obviously, in Minnesota. So he's had some ups and downs. Might not be at the highest part of his career at this point. Might have, like you said, better days might be uh, behind him. But beggars can't be choosers. The, the Bills have to be smart here. They have to find someone that they think fits the system, uh, especially if maybe the game plan is to, to address this position early in the draft day one, day two. Uh, and and have someone in here that can be in the mix early on, like you said, that Kevin Johnson, that player that can push someone uh, for that starting job this year, maybe next year, depending on how the contract has worked out. You know, we saw that especially early on in Levi Wallace's career, year in, year out, they had someone going against him, someone trying to push him for the starting job, and Levi Wallace always ended up winning it out. Uh, it felt like at least so I could see the same thing happening here. If drafting one early is in the game plan, get one of those veterans that might only have a year or two left, get them into the mix, get them into the program, see what they can do short term. Let's go to the defensive line as a whole. We talked a little bit about Chandler Jones. We can go to maybe that next tier here and we could talk about both edge rushers and um, defense uh, interior defensive linemen. And I think, you know, at first, you take a look at this thing and, and you kind of wonder, you know, what, what might be a fit? What are the bills actually looking for? Are they looking for a situational guy? Are they looking for a guy to come in here and be a significant, you know, snap count kind of starter type of guy. There's a, there's a bunch of different flavors. I'm going to start with you here, Ryan. I got a bunch of names that I'm looking at, but if there's two or three out there, it could be interior or edge. Who do you have? Who are you really zeroed in on right now? And again, when I'm saying some of these names, I'm keeping the the salary cap in mind. One right. guy that I would really like, end of his career, Calais Campbell. Um, he, he spoke really highly last year of Greg Rousseau and the type of player that he thinks he's going to end up being in this league. Uh, someone that's played inside and outside, obviously in different defense in, in you know, in his career and uh, different systems, different teams, but someone that I think could come in, even if you're going to play him on the inside, someone that could uh, put some of these young players under the learning tree, so to speak, could help out at the defensive tackle position too. I like him a lot, but again, he's very, he is up there in age. I think 35 years old, someone I'm keeping an eye on there. Uh, if you are going to take a swing at a big time pass rusher and, and you do miss out on Chandler Jones, I really do like Emmanuel Agba. Uh, he's someone that I think has played some of his best football as of late. And then, you know, someone that was not on my radar until I started doing the pre-draft visitor list. And I, I, I don't know how much money he's going to get in free agency, but he kind of, it kind of surprised me. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong, Dallas, five sacks this season, mm-hmm. uh, 25 years old. Uh, someone that the Bills brought in as a top 30 visit back in 2018. Might just be someone that they add in the mix kind of like they did. Uh, like they do every year where they bring in one of the, one or two bodies, one or two veterans to try to kind of uh, get into the mix, see what they can do. They did it last year with F.A. Obata, someone that had five and a half sacks in Carolina the year before that. So in, in the case of Armstrong, maybe someone that's just kind of scratching the surface of what they can do. Uh, and, and I wrote something earlier this week, last player I'll mention, uh, Uchenna Wusu. Someone that was behind some really good players early in his career when he had a chance to get out there this season. Really strong year in terms of quarterback pressures. Uh, did decent job quarterback hits. Didn't necessarily show up in the sack category. Uh, but if the Bills are betting on someone whose best football is ahead of him, he might be someone that's on their radar. What about you, Matt? 
I just look at what I what I think they'd they'd be open to adding. And you look at what they had on the roster last year and Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. And who knows? I mean, at times this offseason already, I felt like Jerry Hughes should be in play. But the more we get away from the season, the more you wonder based on different comments, different things that you see. If you if you missed, I don't want to give too much of it away, but go check out Ty Dunn's story. And, and there's a little bit of the uh, Jerry Hughes nugget in there. Uh, that is uh, over on his uh, Go Long uh, TD website. Great uh, story that he put out last week. Really in-depth dive onto the whole situation that happened in 13 seconds. Maybe you're a Bills fan. You don't want to go be, read about that because you've, you've moved <laughs> on and you're, you don't want to bring up those old memories. But it was a really good revealing uh, story. Um, there was a Jerry Hughes nugget in there, and that, that kind of got me thinking. Maybe maybe I was a little bit off the mark with Hughes coming back. Maybe – I don't know. We'll see. Mario Addison, uh, you put it out there. He was on mm-hmm. IG Live the other day, and he's like – somebody asked him if he was coming back to the – or if he was – where he was going to go in free agency. He was like, I don't know. I don't know if the Bills want to let me go. So I know a lot of Bills fans were like, oh, wow, please let him go. But there's, you know, there's a lot of interesting veteran guys out there. If both of those guys are gone – there's Shaq Lawson. We've talked a ton about that. I still think that's a great idea. I think you get him at a price uh, that you like. And I also know that, you know, as everybody else does, Shaq Lawson is a big fan of potentially coming back to Buffalo. We tweeted about it today to Jordan Poyer. He misses his guys in Buffalo. So that makes a lot of sense. I still like Jason Pierre-Paul as a situational pass rusher. If the number is right, you're probably looking at somewhere between six and seven million, which is a lot. But I still think that that is the kind of thing that, you go out and pay for guys with championship experience that at his best, he was a feared pass rusher. This guy was uh, that next level. I don't know if Mario Addison was ever that guy, the guy that, you know, Pierre Paul has been at, at, at the heights of his career and maybe his teammate, Ndamukong Su. Maybe that's somebody that you go out and you bring him in, maybe some pass rush from the interior. I like Tim Settle. We talked about him at the trade mm. deadline last year from Washington. You, can, you may be able to have him uh, interior piece. Sheldon Richardson's out there. And another name, I know it didn't end great. And the Bills, every time we've talked about somebody that they've cut, you know, John Brown was a guy that w- they cut. Uh, and we talked a lot about that and the fact that, you know, when he was released uh, it, by the Raiders, would the Bills think about bringing him back into the mix? And obviously it didn't materialize. Well, one person that they didn't resign and I, I know they didn't cut him per se but Taiwan Jones came back after leaving leaving what about Quentin Jefferson I feel like maybe they never got a chance to really see what he can be in this defense because they were asking him to play out of position being that backup to Ed Oliver especially if you lose Harrison Phillips in free agency now that we know that you know who knows what he's going to get on the open market I saw some a projection today Ryan for Phillips three years at 8.2 per year for Phillips the, the bills are out at that number, 100%. Yeah. And honestly, as much as Harrison Phillips loves Buffalo, loves the community, you know, everything about, you know, how good of a spot this is for him, he's got to sign that deal. That's life-changing money. Yeah, the, you know, again, you, you just mentioned Shaq Lawson in the same breath here a few minutes ago, who left a few years ago, three years, $30 million. Uh, you, You'd be foolish to leave that kind of money on the table. And if that's the kind of money that Harrison Phillips can – uh, get out there from another team, by all means, you need to go out and sign that contract. Like you said, Buffalo one can't afford that type of deal Two, even his early projections. Was, I wanted to say it was around five and a half million. I sat there and I said, you know, I get it. I understand it, but there, there's risk there in terms of the injury history, uh, in terms of the up and down play. He, he did have a really strong 2021 season, 
But that might not be the type of player that you can roll the dice on, even if he is a great locker room leader, even if he is great for this community. At some point, you can't risk that kind of money on someone that's missed some time early in his career uh, as good as he can be. So, yeah, they they might be looking for that interior help. Uh, I don't know if Quentin Jefferson would would come back. I I know you were just saying it hypothetically, but, you, you know, you mentioned it. Shaq Lawson is saying two years. I want to get back there. Someone mentioned that he stunk with the Jets, and he said something like everything stunk with the Jets on Twitter, <laughs> which made me laugh. And I, um, which uh, you know, it's it's hard to argue with that when you're in a, a, a team that's uh, not playing good football. It's hard to kind of uh, stay motivated in those scenarios. So anyone can come back it, again. I don't want to be too repetitive, but. You have to be smart this offseason. You have to be smart when you have that franchise quarterback locked up. Uh, is my, even though the salary cap did go up, you, you have to wait a few more years until it really jumps up there with the new TV deal before the Bills can really be players again. Uh, so they might be able to make one splash move. And, and if they do, I would like to see it be at a position uh, of need, whether it is you know a pass rusher, whether it is a cornerback with everything that we've said about Trey White, not knowing where he's going to be in the fall, if he's going to be ready to go a hundred percent, whatever the case may be, or even if it's on offense, can, you know, is there some player out there, tight end wide receiver that you think is worth the money that can come in here and be an impact player? You know, if you want to drop a splash move on somebody, you set, you invite them to your house for a party mm. and you go to tops and you get a hot to go pizza appetizer, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs, subs, delicious salads, brownie trays. They have everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. Tops Friendly Markets. Shout out to uh, Tops. I still didn't get any new reads, so the, the last one's still going to be the same, but it is what it is. All right, I'm going to throw some names out at you uh, on the offensive side of the ball. We'll go position by p- position, and we'll just argue for and against our thoughts on them. Does that sound fun? I love it. I love All right. it. Let's go. I'm going to start. I'm going to start with a little bit of a a reach for multiple reasons. One, probably cost, and two, like the history and personality. I don't know if it's necessarily a fit, but this is based on the fact that if Cole Beasley isn't on the roster somehow by Monday, what do you think about Juju Smith-Schuster? I, I don't know. A lot if he's to a think fit. about here. It, it is. It is a lot to think about here. Uh, I think you'd be better off signing Isaiah McKenzie. I think he'd be cheaper. I think he's someone that knows the system, someone that likes it here in Buffalo. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, to his credit, when he was healthy, uh, you know, not this past season, but when he was healthy before in in Pittsburgh, he was a pass-catching machine. He was someone that was, you know, looked like a star to be. I still think there's going to be a market for him, and he's going to price himself out of Buffalo's market. So I'm going to say pass. What about you? I'm going to pass two. Everybody knows my thoughts on Juju Smith-Schuster from all the TikTok stuff. I mean, it's distraction. I don't think the Bills are in the business of adding distractions to the room. But when playing alongside another elite receiver, we saw the best version of him a couple Mm -hmm. years ago. And for $8 million, which is probably what it's going to cost to get him on a one-year deal, to try it out what that looks like in the slot with Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis on the outside, I almost feel like that's an even more of a slam dunk from a football standpoint than if they were able to afford Christian Kirk, which I don't think that they will be able to. I mean, they're, they're talking about him getting upwards of 11, $12 million yeah. a year, Christian Kirk, which I, a nice player. I've had him in dynasty. I've watched him kind of a lot. He's fun to watch. He's a good player. He's a solid slot. I think 
in the right system with the right pieces around him. Juju Smith-Schuster still could be an elite slot. And so from that perspective, on a one-year, I think that falls into the Rob Gronkowski category of, okay, go out and get a potentially just game-changing player for your offense to put around that would fit almost perfectly in with the pieces around him. So I'm going to say no, but I'm saying no with a little bit of a caveat that as we move closer to free agency, I could probably be talked into it, if that makes sense. All right, next. Braxton Berrios is a guy that, you know, people, when the season was coming to the end and the Cole Beasley hype was, was, was happening, a lot of people started bringing up Braxton Berrios. Here's the number that I saw in an article today. Three years, $20 million for Braxton Berrios. That is a, in honor of Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back and, and, and wrestling at WrestleMania, give me a hell no on Braxton Berrios. <laughs> Uh, here's okay. So I, I, at that number, it's no, if it's not that high, if you can take shave a few million off of it, I'm okay with that number. I, I really liked what I saw from him this past season uh, with the jets. He has that return ability as well. And we, you know, we know for a fact that Sean McDermott wants someone back there that can be reliable. Uh, and I think that Braxton Berrios can handle that job, that responsibility. So he's someone that can wear a lot of hats in this uh, for this team and in this offense. If the price is right, I'm okay with it. All right. What's the price that you said? I didn't hear it. If you're saying three, so if you're saying he's almost making seven million on average, if you can get that down to about five and a half, I could live with it. Somebody's bringing up Adam Humphreys. I'm 100% out on the Adam Humphreys idea. I've seen enough after he got paid. Uh, and I know he didn't maybe land in the best situation, but uh, no thanks. I, I feel like you can probably do better in the draft at slot in most circumstances. Like, I feel like if you're going to add a guy in free agency, you're not just adding a guy to add a guy. Maybe they will because they, they need guys for camp and to compete and push guys. I get all that. Uh, so maybe they will add a guy like a Humphreys who has a lot of experience. They can get on the cheap. But I think you could probably do 10 times better, you know, maybe 100 times better in the draft, like depending on even in the middle rounds. Uh, a lot of fun wide receivers. Um, man, Sky Moore, uh, Calvin uh, Austin. Austin. Yeah, I love Woo, Calvin Austin. Baby. I mean, these dudes are Love him before he's shown out there. Yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about some of the corners in a bit. Um, all right, here. Let's go to the next one I got here. Evan Ingram. Out. Don't trust him. Don't don't think he he's reliable enough. I know. I, I saw your tweet about him earlier, and, and it's intriguing how you could use him and you can speak more to that. Uh, I think he's going to get more money than he's worth out, out there on the market. So I am out on Evan Ingram. I'm 100% with you. I'm out. Um, I'm out. Even if you think you can make him into some awesome big, big slot receiver, because let's, who are the examples of elite big slot receivers that are worth that kind of money? Like, I guess like Mike Williams, does he kind of fit into that mold? When you watch Mike Williams, and he does some work on the outside too. He, he does some work on the inside. Chris Godwin's another guy, does a lot of work out of the slot. And he's obviously worth that kind of money. But what about watching Evan Ingram has, has conjured images of either of those two players? It's just, it's not. Like it's $9 million a year for that guy. Like it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I know that there's the, you know, he's really close with Dawson Knox. And if you're up for the Gronkowski idea, why not be kind of up for the Evan Ingram idea? But not at that price point. I probably wouldn't even consider it for more than $4 million. And he's probably going to get more because, you know, people are always looking for those traits and the size and the ability to catch. So uh, we'll, we'll see there. Uh, but I'm a no there, too. We've, we talked 
a ton about Rob Gronkowski. I think we both know where we stand on him. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Let's go to the offensive line. I had a couple that I'm going to throw out here. Let's start with Connor Williams, guard for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, thoughts on that? You want, me to, you want me to give the price point before you? Yeah, give me the price point. All right. So a little pricey. You're probably looking at a three-year deal at about six a year. So it could get upwards of $20 million. But if you're moving on from Feliciano and you move on from Daryl Williams and you can get him for about 18, get that first year at about three and a half, four, like you did with Feliciano, this is a guy, former first round pick that just fell out of favor in Dallas. Maybe Aaron Cromer really likes him. Maybe he advocates for him. This is a top tier kind of guy that you can maybe get on one of those fun deals that the Bills like to use. I'm, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? I'm on the fence about him. Um, I've seen some games where he's held held up fairly well. I've seen him go against some premier defensive linemen, and he's been uh, pushed back, beat up, and kind of thrown around at times. So he has his up and down moments. Uh, it comes down to the price point for me, but at that current price point, I'm still going to say pass. Uh, I think that if if he's in play at that price point, maybe you just keep Daryl Williams. Maybe you try to, to do something with that contract. I think that they like that Williams can play tackle in a pinch if if need be. So that being Daryl Williams, so maybe Connor. Um, I, I'm going to say, I guess I'm on the fence, but I'm closer to out than I am on in. Okay. Um, the next I'm going to go, uh, the next person I'm going to do, and then I'll go to that tier below them. And we'll talk about a couple options and maybe what we like the most from the group. Um, before we do that though, one name to keep an eye on, I was doing some research. Cornelius Lucas, uh, is a swing tackle. He was in Washington last year. He was in LA with Cromer, uh, somebody that maybe they want to bring in, push, uh, uh, Tommy Doyle a little bit, uh, in camp, uh, just a name to keep an eye on. But uh, here, here's another name. I'll shoot it out at you. This is, you're probably talking about 10 million per year. One of the premier guards. He's almost like this year's version um, of, of of Sheriff uh, Brandon Sheriff uh, from Washington, who has been a big name on the free. I and mean, he's a free agent again, I think, because they franchise tagged him. Uh, Austin Corbett from the Rams. Thoughts? It, it makes a certain amount of sense in, in terms of a fit, um, but like you said, the the money, the the price point, I'm out on him at that point. So I'm gonna I'll keep that one pretty simple. Yeah, and obviously also all of these Rams guys have the Cromer connection. Uh, I don't know how much the Bills kind of tap into that pipeline, but it's definitely something to keep in mind knowing how much they really leaned on Bobby Johnson early on to kind of you know find some players that he uh, spent some time with. But again, I think like if you're moving on, you're trying to create cap space for one big move. I think, you know, it's probably not going to come on the interior of your offensive line. I think they could draft a couple guys and probably accomplish the same goal. Let's go to the next group of um, players. I'm going to put uh, Trey Turner in there. I think he's interesting. Had a really good year, you know, a bounce back year. Maybe not a really good year in Pittsburgh last year. Andrew Norwell, we talked about, a lot about him last year. And then I'll also add into the mix um, Austin Blythe uh, from Kansas City. Primary played center, but he has some kind of uh, flexibility there. Anybody you like from that group? 100% in on Norwell. I've liked Norwell. You still love yourself some Norwell. Love me some Andrew Norwell. 
Uh, he, he would be a significant upgrade on this line. I think he's someone that would help across the board, make life, you know, I can't say really easy for, for Cromer, but make it significantly easier coming back to this team, having someone like that on the interior of your line. So, yeah, uh, of those names that you mentioned, 100% in on Andrew Norwell. What about you? I kind of like the Turner idea. Um, the more I was reading up on Norwell, the more I was finding some just uh, ho-hum uh, on his last two seasons. And obviously he'd be probably an upgrade as a pass blocker. Um, so from that perspective, I think you probably want to go and get a guy like that just because of what it means for uh, Josh Allen. Turner's interesting, but again, I think they got to find one interior player that they want to bring into the mix with Cody Ford. They restructured Daryl Williams. Now, if they don't restart resign Daryl Williams, then this becomes more of a conversation. But until then, I think they should go all, I think they should do what they did at tackle last year in the draft. They should draft two guards, uh, draft a center that can maybe play guard until Mitch Morse isn't here anymore. Um, or at least compete for a spot and then go out and get somebody that's maybe guard specific. There's a couple at the end of the first round. We'll dive into that as we get closer to the draft. Uh, but that's probably more of, of the, the route that I would go. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Cromer's going to have guys in, in this draft where I think you could say you could take him in those middle rounds, either late on day two, early day three, and he would feel comfortable being able to develop them. I did see someone in the comments saying that, you know, Brandon Bean's philosophy has been draft, develop, uh, re-sign, and and they've shown time and time again that is the case. So uh, with all these major, you know, these big contracts, bring in someone, uh, a rookie back-to-back picks like you said, develop them, play them behind Ryan Bates, Daryl Williams and company this year, uh, get them mixed in maybe mid-season, get them some significant reps and work them into the system. Uh, so that way maybe they're ready to go in, in a starting capacity by 2023. Quarterback and running back. Do you have one guy at each position uh, that you're kind of zeroed in on as maybe a good target for the Bills, uh, backup quarterback and then depth back? Um, when it comes to quarterback, I haven't zeroed in on someone, anyone specific yet. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick would be a, the great story, a fun story. Um, it, there's other options out there though, too. But if I had to pick someone right now, I'd probably say Fitzpatrick in terms of if you have to have someone start in a pinch, two games, three games, I still think that with, with the weapons that the Bills have, he could deliver, uh, keep them afloat in those matchups. I do like Rashad Penny. I like how he looked this year. There's risk involved, though, if you sign Rashad Penny. Uh, he did not live up to the hype the first three years after being drafted in the first round by Seattle. Injuries played a role in that. Uh, the you know Chris, the play of Chris Carson when he was there played a role in that uh, when he was healthy and out there on the field. But Penny did come on this year, had career highs in carries and in yards, yards per carry average, I think touchdowns as well. So I liked what I saw in that limited role, but th- there's some risk involved there. What about you? I know Bills fans aren't going to like this, but I just can't quit the guy. I, I, because I, I was, I was kind of defending him last off season, and you know, to the chagrin of Bills Mafia. But I don't know. I, I really like Cam Newton in that backup role to Josh Allen. I know the arm. There's so many questions about it, but I think from a from a locker room perspective, from a the way that he plays the game, and just. The ability to maybe recreate or like bring back Dorsey and Cam Newton together and maybe go back into their bag a little bit uh, back in some of those really good runs that they had. See if any of that could help Josh Allen in any way. And then also just bring him into the room with 
you know, Joe Brady, there's a familiarity there already. I think that there was like maybe two weeks where they maybe got to kind of scratch the surface of how, you know, any ideas that Brady had for him. Was it two weeks? Before he was uh, it was a few, well, yeah, there's a few weeks there where he, where he played and early on. Um, it was just a limited role, a lot of running plays. Um, but it, you know, it, it turned south pretty quickly there as well. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the of, comments. Too. Yeah. That's what everybody's everybody's mad at me. Comments. I knew it. I knew it. Listen, Listen, this is a this is I'm doing this for my son if he's up late watching the show right now. Don't ever succumb to peer pressure. Like if you got a <laughs> if you got an opinion, if you got a take, you deliver it and you don't worry about what anybody says about it. If I listen to everybody that told me what I should be saying, uh I wouldn't be uh, where I'm at today. With all that said, it might be a horrible idea and if he were to get in the game, maybe <laughs> it would be terrible, but I, I just there's so many little elements of it that I think could be um, beneficial for the Bills. And listen, they brought in Mitch Trubisky last year. And I mean, if you're a Bills fan, you're knocking on wood there with Josh Allen. But like, you know, he's a tough, Josh Allen's a tough guy. He's still in the prime of his career. I know he plays it a dangerous um, uh, style, uh, but I, I do think Cam Newton in a couple games, I think that he can, you know, maybe you know, unlock some things, but it, it doesn't matter. Back of quarterback. With that said, also, I think backup quarterback gets way too much play uh, in terms of how much pe- value people place on it. Mitch, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky was a once in a lifetime type of opportunity to have that quality kind of backup. So whatever, like you never know. They may bring back Matt Barkley. Who knows what they do? Yeah, no, I think you make a good point. I think 95% of the teams in this league, uh, if their starting quarterback went down <laughs> for a significant amount of time, that season's over for that specific team. Uh, th- there's not a lot of backups so you can count on week in, week out to keep your team uh, afloat, keep your team in game. So I-, I think there's something very valid to what you just said. Um, for running back, I don't know, because of course I mentioned it a, a couple weeks ago, I think I, I like the idea of like maybe going the other direction, Raheem Mostert, who I think was the super juiced up version speed wise of Matt Breida. I think that I, in a limited role, like he could come in here and, and be that true, you know, complimentary piece to Devin Singletary. I'm still not closing the door on Zach Moss. I know a lot of people, you know, people are adding to him in trade packages and, you know, we can get into that maybe next week. What do you think the craziest thing that could happen next week or, you know, into this week, next week? Is it like a Cole Beasley trade? Do you think that there's any universe that we live in that Tremaine Edmonds, a trade happens? Because listen, one thing I've been thinking about, we've been, we were talking about in a, in a, in a, one of our group chats today was like, if you are getting to a point where you're really thinking about the long term, and of course, all things being equal, if you got to pay Tremaine Edmonds $12 million next season, even if you're not going to resign him, that's fine. Like you can figure that out after the fact. But like, if you get to a place where you're really questioning whether or not you can resign him, do you almost have to be proactive and deal him and get something for him now, as opposed to just simply letting him walk? Because like the franchise tag is not getting any cheaper. And if we're sitting in the same spot next year, like I know a lot of fans say, well, if you're still not sure about it, you just, you franchise tag him again. And, and maybe that's so maybe you could do that, but I don't know. I I just I've been working my way through it. I don't see it happening, and I don't think the Bobby Wagner hype is the way to go about it. But um, is there a scenario where you see Tremaine Edmonds getting traded in the next week? I'm never going to close the door on anything. I like I said, I I was covering this team when in the off season, within like a five minute span, I received two texts saying that the Bills sent away Sammy Watkins, the Bills sent away Ronald Darby, and at that point in time, that was wide receiver one, and that was cornerback one, and it kind of blew my mind. So. Am I going to close the door to that possibility? No, because they already put a lot of money in the linebacker position in Matt Milano. 
Uh, you, you're getting close to the end of this contract. That being said, you are putting that, that's a huge void in your defense. Uh, if, if you were to trade him, how are you going to replace it? Are you going to go back to the wall in the draft and try to find someone? Are you going to uh, go with a free agent that you think can do some of the things that he did and you think maybe the back end or the pass rush can soften that blow a little bit? So I, I don't expect it like you said, but I'm, a, I'm in that never say never boat just because I've seen weirder things happen, stranger things happen with the Bills and with other teams in this league. Um, and, you know, some of these moves can come out of nowhere. One bold prediction. Think about that for a minute. Uh, one okay. bold prediction. And it could be something we've already covered because we've already, we've talked about a lot of bold stuff. And then let's give our, our final prediction on all of the Bills uh, pending free agents here. So Harrison Phillips. Do the Bills resign him or does he go? Go, he goes. He's out. Okay, but I started at the toughest one. He's the toughest one for me, and you were you had made that decision already. So yes. I'm going to say he stays. I'm going to go. I'm going to say that they find a way to work a deal. And as much as the there's juice around him right now, and I I know that he's probably going to have a, a big market. I was fooled last year on the Milano stuff, and I, I he's important from a perspective. If they lose him. It really changes the complexions of things. I know they have Star, but even if Star comes back and is the guy that he was the first half of the season, he's a year older. And so I'm going to say that they they find a way to re-sign Phillips, keep that first year down. Levi Wallace, I'm saying no on Levi Wallace. I think he is going to command maybe six, seven, maybe even eight million per season. That's going to be too rich for the Bills' blood. I agree. I'm out. Um, And I'm out because he was very selfless this last season coming back taking a very team-friendly deal, trying to win a Super Bowl. Uh, I think his play speaks for itself. His experience speaks for itself. And at this point in time, he needs to go out and uh, get the money that he's earned and he deserves. He's going to get that elsewhere. Go on Isaiah McKenzie. Okay. And I'll, I'll come in and come out again. All right. Isaiah McKenzie is a player that I am 100% in on. Um, I think that Cole Beasley is going to be, I, I think, released is more realistic at this point in time. Uh, I just don't see there being a market for him at this age, knowing that the Bills are are trying to free up cap space. Um, and, and even though Brandon Bean said that every door is still open or the door is still open for him to return, I think Cole Beasley is as good as gone. So I, I think that that's why you try to uh, bring back Isaiah McKenzie. I think that he's just kind of scratching the surface on what he can do out of the slot. He showed that he's really good at versus man defense. I think he's someone that can still be very good against zone defenses. Uh, just something that he'll have to learn. Obviously, he's not as savvy yet at this point in his career as a guy like Beasley. But I am in on Isaiah McKenzie returning if he's willing to return. Because I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's some hard feelings there between himself and Sean McDermott. Do we cover all the big free agents? I mean, we kind of talked Jerry Hughes and Addison. At this point, I think both of them are gone, Ryan. What do you think? Yeah, I think both are gone, even though uh, Addison was kind of cryptic about, you know, I'm not sure Buffalo is going to let me go while you're a free agent. You can definitely go, but maybe there had been talks. Maybe they were getting close to something at that point. You just never know when a player says something, what they mean. Uh, but you have some youth there. I think you just need to bring in one splash veteran, one veteran that can they can really learn the ropes from as good as I'm sure Addison and Hughes were in that regard this past season. Try to upgrade that that veteran presence, someone that can maybe get after the quarterback a little bit more. Yeah, I'll throw Gronk uh, in as my 
big bold prediction. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about it for weeks, but I, if you if you just give me all of the potential big moves for me, that's the one that kind of stands out the most. Is it just makes so much sense for both sides? We talked about it the last episode, so I'll go in in that direction. All right, I'm going to go DJ Chark. Um, he, he's kind of Allen Robinson light. Uh, I love Allen Robinson. I was t- telling them, Matt, I still think though that there's going to be too much of a market for Robinson to settle. I think DJ Chark is a player that you can get in here. Maybe it is just a one-year deal where he can go out and kind of show, listen, I can still be a, a big-name player in this league. In his second season in the NFL, he had over 1,000 yards receiving. Uh, he had, I think, close to 800 yards the year after that. He, he suffered some injuries along the way. But he's had terrible quarterback play throughout his uh, young career here. And I know someone said, oh, he was working out with Trevor Lawrence recently. That That's great. Players work out with each other all the time. And uh, it's never a bad idea to keep that connection just in the event that you do resign and go back there. But DJ Chark, kind of like a wide receiver, Mitch Trubisky, uh, go for to Buffalo for one year, reset your value, go to this pass-happy offense opposite Stefan Diggs with Dawson Knox, with some of these other talented players in this offense, and really reset your value. DJ Shark, are you going to sing the song for us? <laughs> to, to Baby Shark, I assume? Yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like you almost have to. After you, you, bring up a, you drop a bold prediction. Week, I'll tell you why. If they sign him, I will sing it. I will sing it uh, next week at this time. Wow. I do want to touch on the Combine because – uh, we didn't have a, a a second show last week. I just got really busy and uh, we couldn't really coordinate at time. So I said, you know, let's push it off. Let's let it marinate a little bit. We'll hit on it uh, a little bit. But I thought cornerbacks Friday into Saturday, there were some super interesting developments. Let me start off with you, Ryan, in terms of what cornerback were you kind did you have your eyes on for the Bills? Or maybe like, you know, if you were doing a mock draft, you'd consider it going into the week. And did that change at all with what you saw in Indy last week? And then I'll kind of give mine. I think there's a lot of talented cornerbacks in this draft. And if the Bills take one in the first two, one, one in either the first or the second round of this draft, I think they're going to be uh, a lot of talented players to be had. I was, I was keeping my eye on Roger McCreary. Uh, he was someone that played against the best of the best in college. I thought he held up well. He doesn't have blazing speed. I think he ran a four or five flat at the combine. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that's met with the Bills. Someone that I think fits the system. Someone that uh, would be a really good player for this team. So McCreary was someone I had an eye on. He didn't disappoint. I think he he kind of met my expectations. So he's someone that I really liked. What about you? So going into the week, I had, I had read a lot about Andrew Booth uh, out of Clemson. I actually even saw him um, appear in a couple of mock drafts to the Bills. And I know Chris Chapasso is high on him. He tweeted about it when I, when I tweeted from his media scrum. And I usually defer to the draft guys. But the more like I, I reflected on, on just and – and it was only a seven- or eight-minute scrum. And so there's only so much you could take from it. I don't know. I was just, I was just left – not wow. And he did not perform at the combine. So we'll, we'll kind of put it off and see how he does in his pro day. But he was somebody that was high up on my radar. I definitely wanted to take, get a chance to talk to him at the combine. Somebody that wasn't as high on my radar and it, it, kind of similar to last year, Greg Newsom. Over the course of the, you know, draft process, he kind of rose and rose and rose. And finally, I was like, man, he might be my, my number two or three targeted cornerback for the Bills. And obviously, he went a couple picks before the Bills were able to pick him. Uh, but that guy this year for me is Trent McDuffie, Washington mm-hmm. cornerback. The one knock on him is his undersized, but he ran 
a really good time, a little bit over four, four. Uh, so he's got some speed. I think he is almost like some people talk about potentially playing in the slot, but I think some of the, the traits there, they just jump out at you. He is, he's fast. He can cover. He's willing to tackle. Uh, he'll be a, a, an asset in the box against the run. You know, he's another guy that kind of reminds me a little bit of what Cam Dantzler has kind of turned into into the league. A guy that can kind of do a little bit of everything and is a really solid fundamental kind of guy. And then he just wowed me at the mic. And obviously I'm a media member, so that kind of stuff, you know, uh, obviously probably plays a bigger role than maybe even it does to teams. But just to hear him talk about his craft, the way things that are important to him, how he thinks he's going to be able to uh, excel at the NFL level. I just left that Indianapolis really impressed with McDuffie and his teammate for that matter, Gordon. But I think Kyler Gordon, I liked him as well, but I think he he definitely projects more as a slot in the NFL. What did you think of Tariq Woolen? He kind of uh, set the combine ablaze. He's someone that the Bills uh, met with before the combine. They had really good meetings with them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the only red flag there is he converted a cornerback in 2019. So there's not a lot of experience there. I really do like him quite a bit, though. I think that's the guy that's, unfortunately for the Bills, he may be skyrocketing up draft boards so much that he's going to fall in that no man's land. He's mm. going to fall in that where you probably don't have a high enough grade on him because of what you just said. And I guess there are some injury concerns as well. Uh, I, I, some medical stuff that I read in one uh, uh, profile that you might not be able to take him at 25, but man, if he is there in the second round with that second pick, that's, that's a, that's a boogie type of pick where you could kind of run to the podium. He fits a need. He's probably your highest uh, rated guy in your board. I just, I'm worried now that Woolen, because of some of the buzz that he's getting probably won't be there, but you could never predict it either. Ryan, there's a lot of guys every year that I feel like get certain kind of buzz. And then over the course of the time, either fall up or fall down and we'll see where they're at. But yeah, I like that name. And I even heard uh, Todd McShay talking about him on his latest podcast with Mel Kuyper, which by the way, I feel like we got to add a little bit more of that dynamic into our podcast. You know, just going back and forth, jousting a little bit, jabbing each other a little bit. There's a that Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay dynamic on their podcast and on their videos on ESPN. It's uh could be adversarial at times. Maybe we need a little bit more of that, Talbot. We might, we might need a little bit more of that. Get a little chippy with one another, like they did years ago with Josh Allen and. Um, you know, I remember Kuiper kind of really stopping him and, and saying, I don't know, you know, what you don't see. And he ended up being right, obviously, about it, where um, uh, McShay was a big, uh, I think he was a, actually a big Darnold guy at the time. But either way, you're right. They they can get pretty chippy with one another at times every single year. That's the one that really stands out in my mind, obviously, because the Bills drafted Josh Allen uh, and Kuiper was on the money there. But, yeah, they, they have a very entertaining rapport with one another. Um, one other big uh, thirty thousand foot view of Combine Week. Uh, why don't you? Why don't we end there? What is your? Um, and we got a. Pro- eh, you know what? Instead of that, we'll talk more about that as we get closer to the draft. Let's let's keep it on free agency. What do you think? I guess we could talk about it as one big topic. What do you think all the player movement in the last forty eight hours? You know, Rogers actually not moving, staying in Green Bay. Uh, potential move. Uh, Jordan Love on the move, depending on what happens there. Russell Wilson going to Denver. A, what do we think that means for the AFC, for the Bills, for the AFC West? And then also, Wilson to the Broncos. The AFC West is a death trap at this Mm -hmm. point. 
But what does it mean for the Bills? Because I think on one hand, there's this idea that, okay, things get tougher on Kansas City. Maybe they don't win their division every year. Maybe they don't win as many games, and maybe you play them uh, at home uh, instead of in KC in the playoffs. But also, Russell Wilson comes to the Broncos. They become an elite, like a, a legit Super Bowl contender. That's another team that you got to deal with. Yeah, I, I think I'm, though, closer to that first party. I'm in that first camp that said I think it's good news for the Bills uh, in terms of claiming the number one seed in the AFC. I think you're going to see the Broncos, the Raiders, even the Raiders, because Derek Carr at times has these big games out of nowhere where he can beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and he can uh, go toe-to-toe with the Chargers like he did uh, with the playoffs on the line. I just think those teams, the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Broncos, are going to beat the pop on each other. And there's going to be uh, a, a lot of teams that maybe pick up an extra loss or two uh, here and there. So that helps the Bills out in terms of the number one seed, which at the end of the day is, is what they're trying to claim. So in terms of the AFC getting tougher, 100%, no argument, no doubt about it. Uh, I think the Broncos have a lot of young, talented wide receivers that Russell Wilson is going to be able to uh, really help them take that next step in their career. But overall, I really do like this over, uh, for the Bills in terms of that number one seed in the AFC. I mean, you look around, you know, the league, securing quarterbacks in the case of Green Bay, trading for quarterbacks in the case of, you know, the Broncos and the Washington Commanders today going out and getting Carson Wentz with, which I get it. I mean, it, it's a shot and I kind of understand it. You know, it's a lot of money, but at least you bring him in there and you hope that you have the right. I don't know. I can't really explain it, to be honest with you. Like Carson <laughs> Wentz was terrible uh, the last couple of years. I don't really get it. He was kind of like some of the reporting that's coming out of Indianapolis and how hard he was to deal with and how I guess he reached out to Jim Mersey, according to uh, an athletic report for to kind of clear the air and see if they can kind of remedy things. And the, the meeting invitation was declined by Jim Irsay. I mean, there's some, there's some, some interesting stuff coming out and probably not the stuff you want to read. If you're uh, the Washington commanders who, Oh, by the way, got to see Carson Wentz twice a year in Philadelphia, you know, at the end there when he was really bad, but I think it goes to show you how little the league thinks of this quarterback class because, you know, outside of Malik Willis, I, I don't know if there's a guy that you're really excited to take a chance on. And I do think that there's upside from Malik Willis's game. I think I've watched some of it. I, I've read some stuff on him. I've talked to people that are really high on him. It gives you really bad vibes of the EJ manual draft though, with the way that this thing is setting up. There's so many guys that, everybody's just kind of blah on. And there's one guy that like, I mean, the first quarterback Ryan could go as late as 20 to the Steelers. I mean, it could go that way or as early as maybe two to the lions, depending on if they're high on Willis. And I've read some people say that we still have the, the, the narratives are going to change over the next couple of months, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how the, all of this unfolds with all these different quarterbacks moving around. Yeah. Carson Wentz, one though, that's a head scratcher. Listen, when, when the Colts traded for him, I liked it because I said, Frank Reich, if anyone can get something out of Carson Wentz, it's Reich. They worked together in Philadelphia. They had success together. And it just didn't really pan out. I know if you, you take a quick glance at Wentz's stats, they don't look terrible by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but he just wasn't good when they needed him to be down the stretch. And now you're, you're sending him to the commanders. And I'm just not sure at this point, after what we saw late in his time in Philly, one year in Indianapolis, what you're you're really expecting to get out of this guy. Um, you know, as blah as I am on Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback option, 
I still think that he's a, a more consistent quarterback than a Carson Wentz. So if I was Washington, I think that would have been a guy who would have been targeting well before uh, Carson Wentz. But that could have come down to the price tag as well because we'll have to wait and see if Garoppolo gets moved, what, what the uh, price ended up being. At the end of the day, though, maybe Washington ends up looking smarter than anyone in this deal. I'm just not expecting it. All right. I think that'll do it, Ryan Talbot. We have been uh, plugging along here on this Wednesday evening. Uh, I'm sure more work to be done by the Bills in the next couple of days to clear cap space. And we'll see what they do next week. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to the channel. You'll get a notification every time we set up a show and we're going to go live. And then also, and if you're hosting a large party, uh, check out all of, uh, Check out the huge selection over at Tops. Uh, party platters, delicious, effortless, and affordable, no stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe. It is wonderful. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. We will be back in a couple of days. Stay tuned. News breaks. We'll be here. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.